Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Cenk Uger, founder and host of The Young Turks, past congressional candidate and person whose name Tucker Carlson pretends not to know how to pronounce as though you hadn't previously spoken with him at length. Uh, welcome to Shortcuts. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, good to be here. Yeah, mispronounced my name uh, on purpose just so that their audience can go, ha ha, my God, he's foreign, he's foreign, he's not white. I'm Jonathan Goldsby, filling in for Jesse Brown, who is busy finishing our new limited series, Ratfucker, or as I prefer to think of it, he's finishing the rat, which is like the Sunday in the park with George slash we don't talk about Bruno mashup, I hear my dreams. Today on the show, why progressive politicians don't necessarily always like to talk to progressive media, and Canada has a crystal ball, and it's called the United States. Welcome to Shortcuts, where we talk shit about the news. This episode is brought to you by Emmett Rands, Graham Crawley, Denny Brown, Bilal Quadri, Bobby Herstova, Joseph McPhee, Gregory Smith, and Krista. This is Krista, a cheerleading coach from Hamilton, and I support Canada Land because it offers me different points of views I don't usually hear on other podcasts or news companies. shows all sides of the issues, holds everybody to account, um, and the programs I just find are really refreshing and informative. And while you're out here, will you be going to In-N-Out 
And is there anything you can do at a federal level to take on the quality of the fries? <laughs> Thank you for saying this. People need to talk about it. Thank you for saying mm -hmm. this because every time I come out here, everyone's like, oh my God, in and out, in and out. And I'm like, my controversial non-political opinion is that it's overrated. Yes. yes. Earlier this week, Crooked Media's Pod Save America podcast dropped a teaser for a new interview with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, in which the congressional representative for New York's 14th district let it be known that she finds the California-based In-N-Out burger chain to be overrated. Today on the show, we'll be discussing what makes a good French fry and whether the U.S. actually possesses the legislative mechanisms needed to enforce—no, no, not really. Well, we're going to be talking about the different ways that politicians on the left and on the right— tend to relate to the media, how conservatives may have a certain structural advantage built into that tension, and how this could play out in the U.S. midterms a couple weeks from now. This is based on an interesting discussion that you, Jen, got into on Twitter the other day with former Washington Post reporter Dave Weigel and Guardian U.S. columnist and erstwhile Bernie Sanders staffer David Sirota. In response to that clip of AOC on Pod Save America, Sirota, who's probably also the only political pundit to have lost an Oscar to Kenneth Branagh, tweeted, I think it's really something that elected left leaders will eagerly be interviewed by corporate Democrat hosts who created the neoliberalism that destroyed the left, but rarely ever accept interview requests from actual left outlets that might ask real questions. So, Jenk, um, you responded that that was indisputably true. For listeners who might not be familiar with the context, could you explain what Sirota meant and why you agree with it so wholeheartedly? So in America, we have a massive disparity in a lot of things, but certainly in left-wing media versus right-wing media versus corporate media. So the mainstream media, the ABCs, the CNNs, the New York Times, I call them uh, different names like mainstream media, corporate media, establishment media. So those are the folks who are massively biased towards corporations. So if you have a corporately sponsored politician, Republican or Democrat, they will love that politician and they will kiss that politician's ass to Noah. And Chris Christie's a great example. They will give them overwhelming positive propaganda overall, especially during election time. And then there's right-wing media. Everybody's familiar with Fox News. Uh, but what's interesting is that they both agree on economic issues. So they will have nonstop culture war fights over trans bathrooms and trans high school students and whatever Tucker Carlson made up that night. And then they'll discuss that for months and months and months. But they actually do not disagree on economic issues at all. So when Biden decided to do student debt relief, that helps the average American. So Fox News, CNN and MSNBC, all of them put out pundits saying it's terrible. They shouldn't do it. The poor rich are going to might have their taxes raised at some point down the road. Oh, my God, it's a terrible idea. So it's an illusion of choice in American media when in reality it's very sophisticated, good cop, bad cop, corporate propaganda. So now how does that relate to the conversation about AOC and positive America? Well, there actually is one alternative, and that's left-wing media. Now, progressive media is small. At least we've got us, and in the digital space, we're very sizable, right? But if you don't listen to the Young Turks or watch the Young Turks, you might not have ever heard of the Young Turks. But to come back to AOC, when you have progressive legislators, it is super important for them to support progressive media, whether it's Young Turks, Democracy Now!, David Soros' outfit is called The Lever, The Intercept, Ryan Grimm, American Prospect. So these things exist, right? And, and in their own sphere, they're anywhere from mid-sized to sizable, right? But progressive legislators barely ever go on there. 
But whereas the right wing, the Republicans, will promote the smallest little show on their side. I mean, Diamond and Silk is microscopic. And yet Ted Cruz will have congressional hearings about did Diamond and Silk get shadow banned by Facebook. They'll go on a show with like seven dudes on it. And who's right and who's wrong? In this very, very rare case, Ted Cruz is enormously right. And AOC and Bernie Sanders and the rest are enormously wrong. You're supposed to support the media on your side. If you don't, you help corporate media squash it. I mean, I know AOC has... I believe she she hasn't been on the Young Turks since I think just before she was elected in 2018, right after she won the primary, but before the midterms. And Bernie's was on, I guess, used to be on maybe a few years ago. What do you think changed? So look, Bernie's the best of them, but even he has to get cajoled and et cetera and rarely ever does it. When we first had him on in 2016, we had asked him on so many times. We were the only media that were supporting him. It was weird. And then finally, one of our audience members got tired of it and started a petition, didn't ask us. And so then Bernie was like, oh, 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 I guess I'm supposed to go on. And so when he did, six million people watched. And honestly, it's worse than just poor strategy. It's elitism. And by the way, then sometimes when progressive media says something critical of them, which, by the way, we should, depending on the situation, then they get their feelings hurt. Now, first of all, just as a matter of logic, you don't get it both ways. But second of all, we're not doing it based on whether they appear or not. You're not allowed to get your feelings hurt when progressives challenge you, okay? Because the whole point was for you to go represent progressives. So don't come at me with, I'm a congressperson now. How dare you criticize me? No, no, no. That we don't agree to corporate media's rules. Corporate media's rules are you kiss the ass of the powerful and you never challenge them. We don't agree to those rules. You challenge people based on policy. I mean, yeah, you observed uh, that on Twitter that progressive journalists ask real and oftentimes tough questions. Politicians are justifiably or unjustifiably scared of that. But it's also because, you said, they're self-centered and have no interest in building a movement. Whereas right-wingers, you wrote, you know, will cultivate the smallest little show on their side. I mean, that reminded me a bit of a line that gets tossed around sometimes. It seems to have originated about 30 years ago with Michael Kinsley, who was one of the early hosts of CNN's Crossfire. The idea that the right looks for converts and the left looks for heretics. That is, that the right tends to look for new people to bring over to their side, building up a movement, whereas the left tends to advance its causes through critical examinations of its own imperfections, which can be useful for pushing discourse forward, but is it necessarily great for building a movement? So do you see that these decisions about which shows to appear on or not, do you see that rippling out into elections or having effects on policy more generally? So uh, you're hitting an iceberg there. That line by Kinsley is perfect, unfortunately. I worry that some people who've done transgressions in their personal lives are fleeing to the right wing, knowing that they'll be protected. And people on the left are worried that, my God, if I once stepped on a lawn when I shouldn't have stepped on a lawn, uh, I'm going to get tarred and feathered and driven from the town square. And we started the show talking about the mispronunciation of my name, right? We're kidding around. Since I know Tucker and we did the debate together and we talked, et cetera, I know that he knows how to pronounce my name and he's doing it on purpose. But if somebody normally mispronounces Jank Uger when it's, this Jank is spelled with a C, you can't jump down their throat. How the hell are they supposed to know? How the hell are they supposed to know? So can we please be a little bit more open-minded on the left so we can bring more people in? I mean, I wonder how much of that is just a function of how social media facilitates communication, because I do find that 
broadly speaking in person, people tend to be more forgiving perhaps, or at least like if someone gets something wrong or mis- says a pronoun wrong, people may be quietly offended, but are, maybe it's, or maybe it's a Canadian thing. People will gently point out what they prefer and it tends to be a fairly good thing. I mean, on social media, dynamics of communication are changed. So I don't know how much, but maybe that's also where politics evolves now. So, I mean, like you ran into like a, some of this about, I guess, two and a half years ago when you ran for the House of Representatives uh, in the special election for California's 25th district. If you were in Congress right now, how would you decide which media to give interviews to and which not? Let me just address real quick the point you made about social media, right? So Kinsley said that 30 years ago, but you make a really good point. Social media has amplified that because you're not talking to an individual and you're not even talking to a group. You are talking to the loudest voices on any given issue every time you talk about an issue. All you hear is the loudest, loudest people And I say that with full well knowing I live in a glass house and I'm fairly loud myself, both in person and and on Twitter. It's amplifying the angriest voices. It's amplifying the loudest voices and the most strident, unforgiving voices. So you're right that that phenomenon is now on steroids. Let's put it that way. So now uh, what I would have done differently. Look, first of all, I have loyalty. And in America, I've found that to be considered a downside a shocking number of times. So I would have helped the people who helped me for sure. And who was that? That was progressive media in my case. So I went on all the progressive shows and they all had me. Back in the day, it was Kyle Kalinske, David Pakman, and you name it, we were on it. Okay. The Rational National, the Humanist Report. I bet you, if you ask legislators in Congress, all these shows that support them, that talk about them, that promoted them, that probably helped them get them elected, they couldn't name you two of them. And then second of all, I would massively support progressive media and I would encourage every other progressive legislator to support progressive media because without media, you don't have a movement. Why has one third of America absolutely lost their minds? They're drooling out of the side of their mouths, talking about how Democrats are drinking babies' blood and just total lunatics, right? Because Fox News told them. I mean, it's amazing. Whatever they tell them, the right wing believes whole cloth immediately. And by the way, uh, the mainstream media does a brilliant job, a much more sophisticated job than Fox News, of brainwashing older Democratic voters into, no, There's nothing that Democrats can do. There's nothing they can do. There's nothing they can do. I must vote for someone who doesn't agree with me because they have a better chance of winning. They have a better chance of winning. Anderson Cooper told me they have a better chance of winning. So when you see that landscape, and if you're a progressive legislator and you're not supporting progressive media, you're helping the enemy by going on corporate propaganda outlets and playing by their games, but playing by their rules. And by the way, there's one more implicit thing about that, Jonathan. I'm not saying don't ever do mainstream media. But do not play by their rules. Like in order to get on more and more, they do messaging that's weaker and weaker and softer and worse. Go on there and kick ass. Republicans go on mainstream media and they say the craziest shit. So you don't have to be a weakling. You don't have to be a moderate to go on mainstream media. But if you want their attention and you want them to like you, well, then you'll say pretty things and that makes people feel comfortable and then you'll be a star in the corporate world. I mean, I've been thinking about the ways that this does and doesn't apply to our map onto Canada. I mean, thankfully in Canada, there is no media that is, at least in the English language, it's a little different in Quebec, but at least in the English language, there's no media that is both as radical 
and as mainstream as Fox News. But otherwise, it's a fairly similar situation in Canadian mainstream media, even with the CBC, which is a public broadcaster. You know, while at least theoretically it doesn't have the same sort of profit motive as, say, ABC owned by Disney or MSNBC owned by uh, Comcast, uh, the range of opinions featured isn't hugely different from what you might find on the private broadcast networks. And once again, it still incentivizes very uh, middle-of-the-road conversations. At the same time, it doesn't seem to be the same sort of maybe ideological divide in terms of who is more likely to guest on things that maybe non-mainstream left sources or non-mainstream right sources. It feels like across the political spectrum, our elected officials, especially ones who hold actual power, are all sort of equally reluctant. They're all sort of as cautious as both both left and right-wing media as left-wing politicians or progressive politicians seem to be in the States. There is a hesitancy to pretty much ever to submit to any real interview. The very idea that you could realistically expect to have a sitting congressperson or senator come in and actually sit down for like a half hour interview on a an online show is like even the idea of that is actually kind of amazing. We don't tend to have that here as much. Yeah, I mean, look, you could say politicians are cowards and elitists. You could also say that they're understandably cautious. And by the way, there is one part to be fair to the AOCs and the progressive legislators that they are not wrong about. There is a difference between how right-wing and left-wing media in America treat politicians. So if a right-wing Republican goes on a right-wing media show, they will have the host's lips attached to their ass the entire time, right? On the left, I mean, if you watch Young Turks interviews, oftentimes they range from tough to brutal. Like, yeah, the, the right's tendency toward or preference for propagandists seems to be an almost structural advantage in that, you know, like ideologically aligned politicians are probably not going to be challenged too hard, whereas the left's tendency toward what I guess you could call critical self-examination, I don't know, that's like it almost like it it undermines itself sort of? Well, it's true, but that's because we're smart and we're honest. So uh, if you're going to get interviewed by my co-host, Anna Kasparian, or David Sorda, or Ryan Grimm, or David Dayan, you're going to get asked real questions. If you don't want to answer real questions, okay, I get it. Sometimes use your best judgment. Hey, that's not the best time to go on that show because I'm going to get a real question that I'm going to be uncomfortable with. We're about to vote. I get it. But you can't ever find a time to take real questions. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, Why? Partly because they're bullied and intimidated by corporate media. Because if they say something that doesn't kiss Nancy Pelosi's ass, or Joe Biden's ass, then corporate media jumps all over them. And they're like, this is dissension. Oh my God, you're destroying unity in the Democratic Party. Oh, the progressives, here they are again, right before an election. Well, fight back, fight back. You don't have to accept that corporate propaganda. You can go on CNN and punch them in the mouth, not literally, metaphorically. But they're not doing that because they want to be liked. Now, to your point about CBC, It's groupthink. And so not everything that happens in America is a preview for what's going to happen in Canada. I know we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But in terms of the media, the groupthink does bleed in. The groupthink of of, uh, North American media is neutrality is the right standard. So that is obviously wrong. It's obviously preposterous. But yet everyone believes it. And it destroys political discourse in both countries. So let me explain. NPR in America now, but NPR is trash, 
Okay, so why is NPR trash? Because they split everything down the middle. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Your truth is not halfway between the truth and a lie. Halfway between the truth and a lie is still a lie. If you are being neutral between Republicans and Democrats, you are by definition not a journalist. You're not trying to bring factual correctness. You're trying to bring political correctness to your audience. It is literally Orwellian. Okay, and what if both the Republicans and the Democrats are wrong? Now you have to pick a goddamn middle point between two lies. I mean, how preposterous is this? And isn't it amazing that no one in mainstream media has ever said neutrality is an obviously preposterous standard? It's clearly wrong. It's empirically wrong, right? The objective is different than neutral. Gather up your whatever body parts you would like that involve courage and maybe be a journalist for a change. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. We hear a lot about the opioid crisis. We talk a lot about the mental health crisis. These are serious problems. These problems affect us all. They've affected my life and my community. They're not intractable problems. I don't know what's going to solve them on a policy level, but day-to-day helping people, that's what CAMH does. They do it on the ground when people need help, and they do it through research. The team at CAMH gave our team a tour of their facilities, and we were really just blown away by the incredible, heroic work that they're doing every day. They treat everyone with dignity, and their research is seeking and finding real solutions for everyone around the world. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction, and build hope. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody Half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. Jenk, on this show, we like to duly note things. I will note duly a story that the Edmonton Journal published on Tuesday night. It reveals that a couple weeks ago, the Edmonton police charged Duncan Kinney with mischief under $5,000 for allegedly having graffiti tagged a statue honoring a Nazi collaborator that stands outside a Ukrainian community center in Edmonton. Duncan Kinney is an activist and advocacy journalist who runs an outlet called The Progress Support, which is distinct from another Canadian outlet called Press Progress, but sometimes people like confuse them. And so they're alleging that he was the person responsible for tagging the statue with the words actual Nazi, a story that he then broke. So it's unclear what evidence they have to back this up, but I find it fascinating because I can't quite tell whether it's more interesting or be more distressing if he did it or if he didn't do it. If he 
did it, then, well, it's pretty good to mark a Nazi collaborator statue with the words actual Nazi, especially in the face of all the denial of that. Or maybe you couldn't fit the words collaborator on the uh, podium. Although it wouldn't be great to actually do that and then report on it as though you didn't know who was responsible. And if he didn't, in fact, do it, then this would seem to be uh, retaliation by the Edmonton police for a lot of critical reporting he's done on them. And he's been locking horns with them for some time over accreditation about whether or not he's actually a journalist. So either way, it's a really interesting situation that just broke, and especially for people who aren't familiar with the Alberta media sphere, this is a really interesting little bubble they have in Edmonton. And uh, I'm really curious to find out uh, what happens here. Duly noted. Cenk, um, what would you like to note, Duly? So funny enough, uh, mine's also about the progress report because uh, our newsletter is called Progress Report. Oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yes. And the guy who writes that is our managing editor, Jonathan Larson. And he wrote a story about uh, Donald Trump causing inflation. What it explains is that there was a piece of regulation all the way back in Dodd-Frank that the Obama administration passed that regulated the banks. But unfortunately, at the latter end of Obama's administration, the bankers found a loophole and they started doing speculation again. And that is what's causing huge spikes in inflation. And that is why it's global rather than just uh, affecting America or one country. And Trump had a chance to uh, fix that loophole as Obama was trying to do. And of course, he chose not to. He gave the bankers a free pass. And that's why, despite him being an outrageous, immoral, despicable person, corporate America and the big banks let him slide. Uh, they didn't fight him too hard. In fact, a lot of them gave tons of money to him, right? And so it's because he was letting them cheat and do this speculation. And that's what caused inflation. And so almost all the experts thought that's a brilliant piece of reporting. And what happened was the Democrats did absolutely nothing with it. Why did they do nothing with it? That's weird. Like they're getting killed on the issue of inflation. They're about to lose the United States Congress, the House, and probably the Senate too now based on the number one issue being inflation. And it turns out it wasn't them. It was Donald Trump. The reason they're not doing it is because they take banker donor money and they don't want to upset their owners. And that's what the donors are in America. They own these politicians. So instead, they surrendered. They didn't even make their own case. And now they're going to lose. But it doesn't matter because the donors win either way. Duly noted. In early 2017, Ottawa got its first location of the ubiquitous American fast food burrito chain Chipotle. People were unaccountably excited. There were lineups at the door. And as a Torontonian, I regarded this smugly. Uh, we've had Chipotle since 2008, and I'd long ago learned there was nothing about its food, service, or experience to merit enthusiasm. Two years later, Toronto got a Chick-fil-A, the first in Canada, and that turned out to be a news event, and not just because the launch was crashed by protesters justly enraged by the company's long history of donating to anti-LGBTQ causes. A lot of people, way more than I would have guessed, seemed genuinely excited for the food. Brandishing signs like cluck off and Chick-fil-A abusing people and animals, protesters expressed their outrage over the opening of the first Chick-fil-A in Toronto. No chicken is worth my life. No chicken is worth my dignity. The protesters have finally gone. However, as you can see, the lineup of customers has not diminished. In fact, it goes right around the block. 
Lineups at the door and around the corner persisted for weeks. And while there were certainly some people who patronized the controversial restaurant to show solidarity with anti-LGBTQ values, the majority were simply indifferent to that. They just wanted to try the chicken. Chick-fil-A now has seven locations in Ontario, including one on Queen Street West, just a block from Candleland's office. It's become normalized, though bizarrely their website illustrates all the Canadian locations with maps of Columbus, Ohio. This is kind of how politics seems to work in Canada, or at least political trends. Things filter up from the states years later, only to be greeted as if they were new. And then they find the same success here, comfortably overcoming any initial resistance. On the other hand, it does sort of let us preview what's heading our way, kind of like that little next piece box on Tetris. So, Cenk, if you could talk to yourself from five years ago, what insights would you offer from the last half decade in American politics? Wow. Those five years were critical. I would tell myself, uh, don't trust any politicians to have courage. They won't do the things that they need to do to fight back, to help the progressive movement. Just be careful. Don't trust them. They're not going to deliver. Because we spent a lot of time and effort trying to get people that could represent us in D.C. So far, it's been a, it's, it's been a pretty profound disappointment. And so I don't know what I could have done differently to avoid that. It's been a little disappointing. Yeah, I mean, Canada, like, I feel like the system isn't as entrenched in the same way. Maybe it's because for for any number of reasons, because there's more than two parties. There's always, like, at least a sliver of hope. Canada does seem always especially, not just politicians, but our institutions generally always seem very baffled by anything out of the norm, anything especially abrasive. And they don't really know how to handle that. And they always sort of seem to be caught flat-footed, not unlike the way that sort of Trump managed to take advantage of maybe uh, work with under benefit of the doubt in his 2016 campaign and maybe even into his term. But I feel like all of our institutions are kind of like that to different degrees. But I mean, one thing we're seeing now with the new leader of the Conservative Party is that while conservatives have long been, you know, not too friendly toward Canada's media, just even in the last few months since Pierre Pauli ever became leader, they've become noticeably more theatrically adversarial with the press. So there was a recent situation in which a freelance journalist in Ottawa named Dale Smith, he had a really snarky, unfunny, and kind of ableist tweet uh, about a speech that was being given in the House of Commons. Genui, the name of the MP, Genui tries to include lyrics from Bohemian Rhapsody in his question, and I cannot adequately tell you how lame it is. When horses are this lame, you shoot them. Not a great tweet, but uh, the Conservatives jumped on that as though it were a threat being leveled by the press against a member of their party, against a sitting MP, which it very clearly wasn't. We have a rappel au règlement. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker, and I appreciate all parliamentarians are uh, committed to dealing with uh, threats and intimidation. I, there have been discussions amongst the House leaders, and I hope that I will get unanimous consent for the following motion. But the House condemned the threatening remarks of Dale Smith, a member of the Parliamentary Press Gallery, who responded through a tweet to a question proposed in the House by the member for Sherwood Park, Fort Saskatchewan, stating that, quote, when horses are this lame, you shoot them. All those opposed to the Honourable Member moving the motion will please say nay. Nay. We don't have unanimous consent. But it was very surprising and disappointing to see the degree to which 
a number of Canada's institutions, including the par- like the Parliamentary Press Gallery, didn't seem really equipped or prepared to deal with a bad faith attack. The you know, press gallery didn't, you know, accede to demands that he be booted or anything, but they did put out a statement uh, disassociating it its- itself from his remarks as though they were actually. Uh, calls to violence. We've been made aware of a message that's been posted on Twitter by one of our members. The gallery wishes to disassociate itself from the comments made by this journalist. We also wish to issue a reminder that we all, journalists and politicians alike, hold the responsibility of promoting healthy and professional public debates. I mean, it was a snarky tweet, but it wasn't like... It's a lot of the stuff we've seen play out on a much larger scale in the States over the past... I mean, over the past decade broadly, but certainly over the past five years, where... The press doesn't seem, at least not immediately, equipped or prepared to deal with politicians who aren't really looking to engage with them, but rather specifically to set them up as an enemy for the benefit of their own or for the entertainment of their own supporters. Yeah, Jonathan, America has become one giant propaganda war. So everything that you see uh, in media, and and I know of course everybody's going to say this, super biased, but I'm going to tell you what is true, and then you guys take it with a grain of salt, okay? Outside of left-wing media, which actually, I swear to God, tries to really get at the truth and get at reality, is willing to criticize everyone from left-wing to corporate, but also to give them credit when credit is due, right? And then people are always confounded, for example, with TYT. They're like, wait, do you like or dislike Joe Biden? No, I don't have any personal opinions about Joe Biden at all. I don't care about Joe Biden. I either like or dislike his policy. So when he does something good, like withdraw from Afghanistan or do student debt relief, I love it and I give him credit for it. When he does absurd things like secretly kill the $15 minimum wage increase, not fight for paid family leave, child tax credit, voting rights, all the things that he promised, then I, I don't I don't like that. that. And so I have to be honest with you. He didn't really do those things. He promised those things and he didn't do it because he didn't really want to do it. And I could prove to you how he didn't want to do it. Well, I don't get it. Do you like or dislike Joe Biden? You're missing the goddamn point, right? And the reason they're missing the point is because everybody in America grew up on propaganda. So they assume you have to be on one side or another and you have to do propaganda for that side. So the number one complaint that I get now on Twitter is, you're hurting the Democrats. Well, okay, but I'm not a politician. I'm in media. My job is to tell you the truth. There's now, there's a new contingent that's now also doing propaganda that I call the fake left. The fake left are people who used to be progressive, but are now right wing, but still pretending to be halfway progressive or completely progressive. So Glenn Greenwald, Tulsi Gabbard, Nippy Dore, Dave Rubin, this is the fake left, right? The reason I tell you that is Jonathan, this heavy, thick blanket of propaganda is headed in your direction. And it's nonstop gaslighting. So get used to it. It's nothing but bad faith attacks. Almost everything in American media is bad faith, right? You don't know who's real. You don't know who's a troll. You don't know who's a bot. It's almost a form of torture here, trying to figure out what's true and not true. And so that's why, as frustrated as I get with the Trump fans, the MAGA guys who live in an alternate universe, I don't know that the rest of America is that much better off. I mean, a lot of America lives in an alternate reality where the status quo is terrific and $7.25 an hour is a great wage to get and you shouldn't have universal health care. And these are not normal thoughts, but CNN and New York Times has gotten us to believe that it's normal. And by normalizing that, we've gotten to a point where 
I mean, the midterm elections are two weeks from now, and there's a striking headline on well, a story in 538 yesterday by uh, Kaylee Rogers, who was a former Globe and Mail journalist. And the headline was just, most candidates who think 2020 was rigged are probably going to win in November. They are. I feel like that might be the... Well, not the end point. We're not the end, but like, where do things go from there? I mean, I guess it's just the slip sliding away of democracy. Yeah, I'm going to tell you where it goes, and it's a disaster. And so I hate to bum you guys out, but and there is one asterisk here. It's possible that a progressive populist rises within the next couple of years, two to six years, and saves the whole country and the continent and all of that. But barring a miraculous progressive populist, super dark times. And here's why, because right-wing media and mainstream media are both leading in this direction. And progressive media is just not large enough to be able to head that tide off. So people who deny uh, that Joe Biden won are not doing it just because they're lunatics. Their voters are lunatics. But the politicians are all liars. They all know that Joe Biden won. Every single one of them, with the possible exception of a couple of lunatics like Paul Gosar and Marjorie Taylor Greene, et cetera. Just two to three, four of them. And like even Matt Gates doesn't believe it. He knows it's a total lie, right? So they're all willing to lie because the Republicans think there is a demographic shift that is going to end us. And so we have to end democracy before the window closes on us. The demographic shift has nothing to do with blacks or Latinos or immigrants. It's the young versus the old. The young are so overwhelmingly progressive, even in America, despite all the goddamn propaganda, and they're coming. In every election, the progressives gain a bigger and bigger advantage. And so the Republicans are infinitely smarter than the Democratic politicians. So they're trying to finish this and go to fascism before that younger generation sweeps them out of power, right? And remember, the right wing has never cared about democracy. What happened in the American South? They just ruled through violence. They didn't care about democracy. They had slaves. Then we got told a mythology about how America is this beautiful place where we all hug and kiss and have rainbows and flowers. And so it's the same mentality, which is, I want to be in power. Okay, you left-wingers are cute with your ideology and your principles, but the right wing's all about power. And if democracy gives me power, great. But if democracy doesn't give me power, then let's move on to fascism. How does the mainstream media help them? Because one of the things you don't see is local news in America. And local news is more avowedly neutral than anything else. And unfortunately, it's the number one place that voters get their information. So local news will take a complete fucking liar that they know to be a complete fucking liar and say it's 50-50. I can't tell if that guy or the random corporate robot he's running against, it's the Democrat, is telling the truth. Well, they're helping to cloud the issue so badly that the voters are not getting real information. If they knew that the fascists were running, they might vote against them. You'd hope. You would hope. If you live in a random city in Phoenix, Milwaukee, etc., and you're turning on local television or local radio or the local papers, you will not know that fascists are running. You will have no idea. And so it can happen here, and it's in the middle of happening here. And Kanye opened the last door, and that's anti-Semitism. I'm Muslim by birth, by background. I'm atheist now. But I grew up Muslim, and I've been screaming for two years on the air. The anti-Semitism is coming. And when it does, 
It's the last thing. This thing's going to fall, okay? I feel like the guy on the deck of the Titanic going, guys, it's right there. The iceberg's right fucking there. Move the goddamn ship before it's too late. Because if you try to move it after it's too late, you're going to hit the iceberg anyway. It's larger than it appears. You have to move now. You have to move now. And the rest of the media is like, I don't see the fascists. Huh? God damn it. They're now saying deeply anti-Semitic things. This is the very last step. And for Canada, that's the biggest news story of all. If I was a Canadian broadcaster right now, I'd be telling you, build a wall. Tons of Americans are going to come your way if Trump wins again, because he's not going to have another election. America will be done. So that's Shortcuts for this week. Thanks for joining me, Jenk. We're on Twitter at Canada Land. Uh, people can email me at Jonathan at CanadaLand.com. I'll read everything you send. Where can people find you, Jenk? Uh, first, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This is a great conversation. You can type in TYT at almost any platform that you're on. The Young Turks. And you'll find us. But uh, you can go to TYT.com. And obviously, that's the place where you can watch us. Exciting news! The Candleland store is now open. Get your very own duly noted notebook, and if you're a supporter, you get a special discount at purchase. Every purchase supports Candleland's independent journalism. Plus, we'll also donate a portion of each sale to Journalists for Human Rights. Find the link to our store in the show notes of this episode. This episode is produced by Katie Lore, with additional production by Tristan Capacchione. Our production coordinator is Andre Pru. Theme music is by SoCalled. Syndications by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at CFUV.ca. If you like what we do and would like to receive ad-free versions of all our podcasts, please support us by hitting the link in our show notes. Or go to candleland.com join. everyone, Candleland has a new limited series called Ratfucker, which Jesse recently talked about with Jenk on his Young Turk show, The Conversation. Uh, Ratfucker's coming out this Monday, and you can listen to the trailer now. Ratfucking is killing your own opposition. And I take on ratfucking jobs so I can get compromising material on politicians that I can use at a later date. That's ratfucking. He was a political fixer who did dirty tricks for money. Now... He's decided to tell all and bring his powerful clients down with him. He's a con man, and I think he's a pretty good con man. Some people tell you absolutely fantastical stories, and, and they turn out to be true. Ratfucker from Canada Land Podcasts. Subscribe to it now. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.